0: Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Motor. And we're (laughs) here. You got me. We're here to celebrate the greatest (laughs) songs in modern music history. We're gonna tell you what makes them great. We're gonna. Did I say that right? We're gonna tell you what makes them great. Why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? man I
1: am doing fantastic! Okay, <laughs> so today I feel like we're going to go as deep <laughs> on the power trio as we have mm. in quite some time. Uh, we spoke with Billy Sheehan of Talis, David Lee Roth, Mr. Big, and others last season, and today we are discussing the winery dogs. Yeah, we Rob. are. Tell them who we're hanging out with, and pick a tune, and let's rock.
0: We are hanging out. With Winery Dogs vocalist and guitarist extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. Richie Kotzen is on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xanadu from the new album Three by the Winery Dogs. <laughs> everybody breathe. <laughs> Oh, yes. Let's go. Give me all the wine. (laughs) I am a winery dog. My goodness. Give it all to me. That is Xanadu, the lead single and the opening track from the brand new album by the winery dogs. That is... 3 the the album is called 3 it happens to be the third album it released February 3rd 2023 which also happened to be Richie Cotton's birthday There we go um and we'll talk to him a little bit a little bit about that because if we didn't mention it I know we did I just want to say it again Richie Cotton is on the show That's right we literally just hung up the phone with him this was one of those where um sometimes
1: we do the interviews like right after or right before. that's yeah. uh, kind of rare, but honestly, he was the last human that we spoke
0: to other <laughs> than the person that brought <laughs> us, the our guy that us our Yeah, Japanese food at lunch. That's right. Um, yeah, so, and if you've been with the show for a while, particularly if you are a Patreon supporter, uh, you may remember that we talked pretty extensively about Richie on our coverage of the song Stand by Poison, which he wrote uh, and recorded one of my all-time favorite guitar solos yep. on. Um, and so we get to talk to him about that as well. And uh, we get some Mr. Big, some more Mr. Big stuff Man. from his perspective, and we're going to talk to him about crafting and writing and, and all this stuff in Telecaster Stratocaster. We're going to jump all over the place with Richie, so it's great. And he was great to spend a few minutes with us. Let's jump right in. This yeah, new this new it. album by the Winery Dogs is dope. Um, I'll say it. We got to listen to the, so the whole thing is out now. Uh, but when we were doing our prep and our interviews with Richie, it wasn't out, but we, um, were fortunate enough to get a preview, uh, listen to. So we've, we've heard the whole album now, as you may have as well. And it's just full of great stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple tracks on there. We're going to talk about Lorelai with him. Um, do you have a fa- You have a favorite Xandu. track from it's my, yeah, it's my the top one for yeah. you. Um, I also have, I don't know, Pharaoh's great, Gaslight, awesome, um, the vengeance break. It's a seriously. There are yep. no, pardon the pun. No dogs on the album, right? <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing to, that no you're gonna want to skip. Yeah, but let's let's start here with with Xanadu. You know, I we we talk with him about the kind of the song and where he's at, and so I feel like my interpretation of it was pretty good. Um, you know, my interpretation of the lyrics are basically, are you. Mine was more of a of relationship status, like "Are you worthy of a relationship with me?" He's like, "I'm in, I'm in Xanadu up here. I'm good." Z- and Xanadu, I guess maybe we should talk about what actual Xanadu is, but it's the um, Olivia Newton-John song. That's child. right, in the movie, <laughs> yeah, and, an awful it. movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Xanadu is an English transliteration of the name, this is according to dictionary.com, of the name of the summer palace belonging to Kublai Khan, grandson of Genghis Khan, and emperor during the Yan dynasty. The palace's name in Mandarin is, I don't know how to say anything Mandarin, why would I try? Um, But it means upper capital, and its remains are still visible today in the inner Mongolia region of northern China. It also appears prominently in a uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge poem called Kublai Khan, which was the inspiration for another song by Xanadu that you may possibly be familiar with, and it's by a little band called Rush, and it was one of their more popular songs. These songs are not related. They have nothing to do with each other, except the concept of Xanadu being like an amazing place, you yeah. know what I mean? I'm in a place of perfection, yeah. essentially. And so my take on the song, just listening to it, was basically, are you worthy of a relationship with me? Do I, you know what I mean? I'm in a good spot here, you know? Um, I've got it made and if you if you want to get into this life with me you're going to have to measure up. Yeah. So, and so I wasn't far off. We'll let Richie give you the the full kind of, you know, his his perspective on uh on the lyrics in the interview, but um it's a great great track and it's got of course you heard amazing guitar work from the very beginning. It's a, it's like You get that little breather in there and the main riff comes in and just takes you off. And then Richie just blisters this thing needlessly. Uh Not needlessly, but like right before the verse starts, listen to this. Hang on. (laughs) Like why? (laughs) Like why? Go ahead and count the
1: notes there, everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why, man? He's he's so good and his ideas like the stuff that he plays is not um it's kind of his mm-hmm. you know it's it's like it's not stuff you expect necessarily yeah. all the time right he's not just shredding blues licks or whatever um he's he's playing some really interesting really interesting stuff and then the interplay you hear it between him and billy uh, it's just fantastic because Billy's like having another lead guitarist. He's just ha- he's just got thicker strings. Yeah, know? and it's kind of funny too because people that play fast have their go-to
1: fast licks. Yeah, um, but his are all different. They are. It's yes. Like, it's like if I played with fast guitar players, you know, I've got my one or two things that I can do semi-fast, but you pretty much have your things that that's my fast lick. Yeah, but his are all comp- they're different.
0: That so. is a much better way to say what I was trying to say. Thank you. It's it's not he's not just recycling licks. Yeah, it's like. I'm going to, I got all these ideas, That's right. you know, and, uh, and, uh, and I'm going to pull them off. Um, the, uh, at the end of the track too, let's see, you hear this great thing of, uh, Mike Portnoy, who is the drummer for the winery dogs, um, just dropping his sticks and it's not in, uh, it's not an accident and it's not in frustration. Here's the end of the track. Good lord! Then you get, <laughs> and that's him. Uh, that's him dropping the sticks in satisfaction. Like yes. we just nailed this uh-huh. take. We got it. You know. Yeah. Um, and you can actually watch a uh, a drum cam video cool. of I him tracking his parts to Xanadu uh-huh. um, on Mike Portnoy's YouTube channel. Uh, and maybe we'll post this too, like in our Instagram or something. Um, he's wearing this like uh, Cheech and Chong, you know, sleeveless shirt. And just rocking away, and you get a cool, a different way to experience the song because it's a split mix. Mm-hmm. You get the drums all on one side, and the rest of the band yep. all on the other, um, and so you can kind of hear it a different way. And then, so if you all want, you drummers at home can play along. I was going to say, maybe if you're up for the challenge, just mute. Take one headphone out, yeah. you know, and just play along with Richie and uh, with Billy. <laughs> and you can, you can be a winery dog. You can do dog. a Mike Portnoy impression. <clears throat> That's right. Go ahead and send us your video. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Would, yeah. You know what? Make a make a uh, Instagram reel split screen, right, yeah. with you playing along. We'll post it, dude. We'll post it. We'll help everybody get some press. We'll help you get famous. That's we'll right. help promote the Winery Dog's album. Every, everybody wins, you know. A little bit more on the album. Um, Gaslight. Let me hit a little bit of, uh, of Gaslight.
1: Your happy price price line
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you love hard rock in his voice let's not let's not forget Richie's voice. I I just listen to some of the stuff that they do and I just go. Like I say, the the first thing that I want us to say is why, and it's not like, why did you do that? It's, you know, you didn't have to put that much thought into that, right? (laughs) Like nobody would have blamed you for coasting through those two bars, Uh but instead you did something amazing and thoughtful. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the feeling that I get when I listen Uh to this stuff. It's so chock full of like,
1: there's so much stuff that they do that gets missed. Like, yes. it's so good that like, like you can listen back through it and be like, oh, I missed that in the first pass. Yes. or, like it's underneath. There's but. no way to
0: catch it all the first time around.
1: And there's three. It's three guys. It's, th- it's three guys that make that sound.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's and weird. we've we've talked before about the the power trio as yep. a as a thing as a unit. I know we talked a lot of. When we talked to Mark Farner from Grand Funk, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we've talked about some of the, like, classic power trios, Cream. Uh, um, ZZ Top. Yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Double Trouble. Yeah. Blues, but still a power trio. Sure. Rush. Yeah, Rush, power trio. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, you know, this is just another, but one of the best, one of my favorite, you know, uh, power trios just – they definitely bring the power to Power Trio. They, yes, definitely put all kinds of power in uh, in Power Trio. Um, gosh, here's okay. F- let me play a little bit of uh, this. Is the song Pharaoh? This is track track seven. And I like this one too. This one probably gets into my like favorite like vibe of the record. The whole record rocks, but this one kind of brings it down and gets into an almost like, do you feel like we do territory after the uh, after an extended solo section. So you know it's gonna rock from the top. Well let me pull it, let me pull it in a little later. That's a
2: bass.
0: (laughs) little modal licks.
1: For those of y'all that want to know how he gets that tone, it's in his right hand. (laughs) Like
0: a lot of that. Yeah. Bro. The opening and closing of that, yeah. that two-phrase lick yeah. is sheer brilliance. Anyway, I— and it, We talked with uh, Chris Buck
1: from Cardinal Black about, like, right-hand mm-hmm. attack and approach versus using a pick. And uh, Richie's somebody that you'll enjoy watching his right hand as much as well, too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he, he uses a pick,
0: but sometimes he doesn't, and sometimes yeah. he's just—yeah, his approach is is unorthodoxed. It's great. I just, I just love it. I don't know. And then— uh, Red Wine closes the album really strong. Uh, I really like the way this comes out. Let's hit a little bit of this. I'll hit this chorus. The line, "It's party time." Keep on pouring the red wine. It tells you, it tells you the age of the band a little bit, right? Yeah. They're not like, right. you know what I mean? They're they're not like pour some more jack. It's not or, shots. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like keep, keep the red wine coming. Uh, uh, it's definitely a phrase said by people of a certain age that bracket. Are wearing their robe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I think that's kind of funny. Definitely a middle age party. You know, there's some people wearing khakis. There's probably. Yeah charcuterie it's involved right, you know a lot of button-ups <laughs> button at the party but uh you know yeah it's great enjoyable nonetheless uh, uh just a really overall a very enjoyable record um and uh and and, and why not so with our first two records you yeah. know and their live stuff it's just all been great the fact that the winery dogs exist is just a testimony to the wonderfulness of music in general absolutely <laughs> so, um Let's talk a little bit about the winery dogs. Yeah. Actually, why don't we meet them? Yeah, we'll meet them quickly and then talk to them. And then, and then, talk and then I'll talk a little bit more.
1: Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the man. Let's meet the man. going to do a quick section i'll meet the band of the winery dogs because a there's three of them and right. b we've talked about a large portion already <laughs> so uh, on base billy sheehan october 5th 2022 um our five-year anniversary episode mm-hmm. uh, we got to hang out with billy so for all things billy go back and listen to our five-year anniversary episode yep. that was a landmark for us and quite a fun one yes. um but monster powerhouse on base uh, Billy Sheehan, Andre- and, and
0: then, and I don't think we've got talking about this since, but we saw him the next week, yeah, at, at the Kings X at show. Kings X show, um, that's and, right. uh, Got to say, hey, and connect in person, like you know, a little, a little handshake. That's cool. Um, being, thanks a, for being on the show at kind of a thing. show where we had interviewed the bass
1: player, right. Doug, yes. Pinnock, with another legendary <laughs> bass player in yeah. the audience. That's true, so, yeah.
0: and they took a great selfie backstage, Doug uh billy robert Trujillo from metallica was that's there awesome. um and somebody else it was like you know bass players unite backstage uh-huh. at the king's x show now i love nashville dude, dude nashville awesome. is the best uh, sometimes i get super jealous of you living here um <laughs> it's kind, kind of nice yeah
1: um so yeah so that that's really neat so for all things billy just go back to october 5th 2022 our episode and listen to that um on drums mike portnoy um, we're going to talk about him a lot over the next little bit. He's okay. He's, he's, he's good at the drums. <laughs> um, Spock's beard, transatlantic dream theater. I mean, uh- we're eventually going to complete the trifecta of the winery dog. So I'll just leave it there let's because it. we're going to, uh, we'll get with Mike uh, in the future. It's going to happen. Yeah, let's do that. Um, and then on guitar, Richie Cotson, who, for all things, Richie, hang around to the end. Um, we got through as much as we could. Me and Rob both had a uh, monster lists of questions, and uh, we got through a, a good portion of them. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are going to like uh, hearing his approach on things. Um, one thing I did want to mention on the winery dog so it, it was Billy and Mike first. And they were going to form a power trio. And they almost went with – do you see they almost went with John Sykes of Whitesnake and Thin Lindsay. No. Thin huh? Lizzie. Yeah, John did Sykes. Did you say Thin Lindsay? I said Thin – I meant that's Thin Lizzy. Thin Lindsay sounds a, like a – It's a girl with body dysmorphia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, – but anyway, how different is that sound? Yeah, uh, I think it's a little more – it's a little more hair metal and a little less uh, rock like in your face straight ahead rock if yeah, you go this with him is,
0: versus Richie Yeah, exactly. So yes, because a little more
1: glam maybe if you want Yeah. With him.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is just straight ahead modern yeah. hard rock. Yeah, it's, it's not thick. even it's not prog. It doesn't get mm-hmm. so out there mm-hmm. that you would call this prog. Yeah. It's very technically proficient just hard rock. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's great. And let's not overlook richie's incredible voice like yeah his vocals are every bit as solid as his guitar playing yeah. you know what i mean and he's got this voice that is um you know I, you can't help but be reminiscent a little bit when you hear his voice of chris cornell chris Cornell. yeah I, I and, mean, the,
1: and even his look his like stage present like it's not yeah he, he he has
0: that look and you know and it's richie is really truly like the only other person i know who has that same kind of depth and quality to his voice, you know yeah. what I mean. Um, but Richie's only Richie's five years younger than Chris Cornell, so it's not like one influenced the other. Yeah. Um, you know, Richie was too young to like grow up listening to Soundgarden. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but he actually says, uh, and if you'll and if you listen to this, you'll hear it. I've heard him say in an interview that a lot of his sound and delivery. Well, you hear him mention a couple guys with us. He'll talk about Paul Rogers, Paul Rogers, uh, and uh, you know maybe David covered David Coverdale. He said a lot of his sound and delivery came from terrence trent darby now known as sananda maitreya um and if you listen to t- so, some some old terrence trent darby you can hear some of that you know come through um another guy that he mentioned uh was a guy that we haven't mentioned uh in far too long even if it's only been a week it's been too long <laughs> since we mentioned this person and that would be ronnie james Dio. oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Come on, Ronnie. Man, it's been too long since we've ridden that tiger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy diver. Yeah. You've
0: been down too long in the midnight sea. Oh, what's coming of me? Say it, everybody. <laughs> Riding right the tiger. Ah. You can see his stripes, but you know he's clean. Oh, don't you see what I mean? Oh man. Right. I love there it. We go. I love the fact that Ronnie James Dio has come full circle in my life. When I used to talk about Dio it was a joke.
1: Uh-huh. I
0: used to use Dio as punchlines to jokes, uh-huh. and now I just genuinely love that guy's voice so much yeah. that it br- it brings me happiness to hear it any time. Yeah, either with Dio, with Sabbath, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I just
1: love it. Uh, so. My favorite part of this whole thing is Rob has now has a button that he just pushes <laughs> for the Holy diet. So you guys don't know because you don't see the editing process, but that was in real time. That was like yeah, Rob hit the button as he said it was wonderful for me to see because i didn't know it was coming (laughs) and there was no setup or anything it was just like bam and i was in it it was
0: wonderfully played so we have
1: a d.o button
0: it's like it's like trump had a diet coke button in the oval office i just have a ronnie james d.o button that's That's it um uh, going back for, for a second talking about, uh, the, you know, the correlation that a lot of people make between the vocals of Richie Cotson and the vocals of Chris Cornell, there is a cool video on YouTube. You can go, you can find this of Richie doing coaches by Audio Slave okay. with Tom Morello oh, and Nuno yeah. Betancourt and yes. a couple of guys from Lita Ford and Alice Cooper's bands. Holy cow. Um, and it's I I don't know. It seemed like it was an event, uh, that maybe Nuno was putting okay. on, um, I don't know exactly the, the circumstances, but they did it. It's a little bit eerie because it was recorded about four months before Chris Cornell passed away. Oh um, wow! And so it's not like it's you not know, a tribute. It's not a tribute. No, they just it just they just did it. They just put it together and it, and it just happened. But uh, it is dope. But there's that's a little cool. there's a little hint of like ghosts to come. You know, Man, while, while you're weird. watching. Yeah. Um. But if you if you want to hear what richie would sound like doing a chris cornell song you can you can actually find it on youtube that's cool look at him look him up doing the uh, coaches uh let's see a little more on xanadu itself um i did a little a, a little on the movie um, okay another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help This is uh, from Wikipedia about Xanadu the movie. Xanadu is a 1980—again, this has nothing to do with the song. I just couldn't <laughs> help it. I knew that there was a movie called Xanadu. I don't know what it was about, so yeah, I went and looked it I don't it
1: know it anything up. about it either other than Living Newton-Johnson. It's a
0: 1980 American—you knew more than I did. Uh, a 1980 American musical fantasy film Richard by, written by Richard Christian Dennis and Mark Reed Rubel. And directed by Robert Greenwald, the film stars Olivia Newton-John, Michael Beck, and Gene Kelly in his final okay. film role, like wow. old school singing in the rain. That's yeah. Gene Kelly, right? Yeah. Um, it features music by Newton-John, ELO, Cliff Richard, and the Tubes. Okay, uh, there Fee we go. Wei Bill, former guest of the show, friend yeah. of the show. The title is a reference to the nightclub in the film, which takes its name from Xanadu, the summer capital of Kublai Khan's Yuan Dynasty in China. The city appears in the poem uh, by Taylor Coleridge, but the poem is not quoted in the film. Xanadu was re- released in the U.S. on August 8, 1980 by Universal Pictures, a box office disappointment. It earned negative critical reviews and was an inspiration, along with the Village People's Can't Stop the Music, for the creation of the Golden Raspberry Awards to recognize the worst films of the year. You may have heard them called the Razzies. Despite the lackluster performance of the film, the soundtrack album became a huge commercial success around the world and was certified double platinum in the U.S.
1: Movie flop, soundtrack success.
0: Yeah, the song "Magic" was a U.S. number one hit for Olivia Newton-John, and the title track by Newton-John and ELO reached number one in the UK Play a and several of it. other countries around the world. Shall hit. we hit Xanadu? Yeah, hit a little. I just of typed it. in Canadu by accident, which <laughs> is the same thing. It's just a few hundred miles north of here.
1: I don't have a Xanadu button. <laughs> Definitely ELO. Yeah. (laughs) You think?
0: I'll keep the winery dogs version.
1: Yeah, if you uh, if you would have said J P sing Xanadu before this, (laughs) I would have probably sang Waterloo by ABBA and just said the word Xanadu. Xanadu, Uh, because I don't, I didn't know that song
0: like before looking it up. Yeah, I I didn't either. Um, I'll keep, of all existing versions of any song right. called Xanadu. Give me Richie. By by far, give me Winery Dogs. Give me Richie, Billy, and Mike. Yes. The uh, the movie has since become a cult classic for the way it mixes the storyline from an old-fashioned 1940s fantasy with modern aesthetics featuring late 70s and early 80s rock and pop music on the soundtrack, as well as for fans of Olivia Newton-John. May she go. rest in peace.
1: The uh,
0: I got to stump the genius. Let's do it. Let's do it. Stump the heck out of me. <laughs>
1: stump the genius.
0: Stump the genius. Stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and your part.
1: I take your part. All right, we're going to play uh Name That Dog Band. Okay. So, these are either artists or <laughs> bands that have a dog. Okay. And so, this name that the, the actual word dog. Dog. Okay. Is all right. in all these. Okay. Um, there is five. How many seconds do we want per? You want to try 30? I think. Uh, Let's go 30. I think. I think. You think 30, is it going to be that challenging?
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: all Yeah, right. I think 30. I think you'll do... Okay. I, I, they're going to progressively get a little harder, I okay. think. And um, I guess
0: songs sometimes tend to have like longer intros yeah. that takes a little time. Yeah, and we get may to even see. need like 35. Let's do 35 seconds. 35 th- seconds, 30 35
1: right. seconds, and if you get stuck, pass, because okay. we want to get through as many as all we right. can. Okay. All right. Ready, Here set, we- go.
0: Uh, three Dog Night.
2: Three Dog Night. I'm serious. I'm serious.
0: <laughs> that's a uh, dog found. It's hey, Snoop. Yeah, that's yeah that's Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Dog yes. found. Yeah, okay. This is a uh, Warren G and, uh, and Nate, Nate dog. dog. Nate dog. Ah, yeah. I was like, yeah. where is it? This is a. Uh, oh, Temple of the Dog. Temple Speaking of, the of Chris dog. Cornell. Okay. This. Oh man, this one. Got eight one. seconds. It's gonna be the hardest
2: one.
0: I think we make time out. Dog. Uh, uh, it's Doctor Dog. Doctor Dog. It all the time. I don't yeah. even know what that is. You know Doctor Dog, don't you? I don't know Doctor Dog don't know at know all. Dr. Dog. You don't know Dr. Doe? No. Oh, okay, anyway. Well,
1: good job. All right. 80% I got four. flew through the first four. Yeah. Well done. Okay. Well done. Dog Pound, Snoop Dogg. I was all around finally it. Finally got there. That was good, man. Nate Dogg.
0: <laughs> Nate Dogg. And <laughs> That's Warren good. G. had to regulate.
1: Name, yeah. name that dog band.
0: Good job, bro. that dog band. 80%. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um... All right, what can we say except go get yeah. the new album uh 3 by Winery Dogs. Go and get the other out albums with us as well. And yeah. They're on tour right now. Yeah. You can go see them now. They're coming and to Nashville. Uh, Let's go. Heck yeah. Are they coming to What's the what's the venue? I think they're at Brooklyn Bowl. Maybe? Okay, yeah, I that think. makes sense. Okay. Um yeah, so go get them. Go, go go see these guys live if you get a chance. They'll just be, it will be It will be an experience that you won't forget. There's going to yeah. be so much music happening around your face that, that you're like... <laughs> no, but not wait a minute. Even... There's only three. What's going on? Yeah. But yeah. So, all right. We're going to go uh, and talk to Richie Kotzen in just a second, which is the coolest thing I've said today. Um, but uh, first, I, I I need you guys to do something. Uh, this is from the bottom of my heart. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever said this before on the show, um, but go to Instagram, <laughs> go to Facebook, go to Twitter. And follow us at Great Song Pod. Um, if you don't know what those are, they're social media networks. I we, we maybe have never discussed this, but the, we have accounts on there that you can actually follow. And um, there are usernames that we go by. And on all three of those, you can find us by the username Great Song Pod. And when you hit, there's a button that says like follow. And uh, when you do that, we will actually post things sometimes that we think you might be interested in. Um, and so you can do that. There's also a group on Facebook and it is called great songs and the great people who love them greatly. Um, and actually that's where a lot of our like close podcast friends hang out together. And we talk about, um, more in-depth things or silly things or just things that we think the group would find, <laughs> you know, would find funny or cool or interesting. And, uh, we talk about policy changes and, uh, <laughs> lots of just podcast business, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot in there. But uh, yeah, no, seriously, uh, we would appreciate it very much if you would tell somebody about the show and follow us on socials to make sure you're keeping up with what's going on. as As uh, season eleven continues, uh, we're coming up on six years of the show. You know, later this year, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, we're gonna we need a six six birthday blowout. We need to start planning. Hey. Start buying the candles and if you and if you uh, want to go uh, an, an extra step and be part of supporting the show man that would just be wonderful I'd appreciate that I' would, you know I'd appreciate the heck out of that actually um, I'll give you a fist bump when I see you uh, you Virtual can go to, high five till then that's right uh, you can go to patreon.com great song pod and be a part of supporting the show there and helping us go forward and do more And, uh, we'll, man, we'll thank you in every possible way that we can conceive, including, you know what? You can find it. It's all there. All the details (laughs) are online. Just go to patreon.com slash great song pod. And I think that's it. That's good, man. I think that's all I have to say, uh, about that. But we get some great conversation with Richie, including some vocals. We get some um, on the spot, impromptu. That's right. Some impromptu vocalage from Richie himself. So, uh. Uh, before you, I know what you're going to want to do, and that's pick up your guitar and start practicing. Um, <laughs> but before you do that, finish this interview, get some wisdom from Richie, yeah. uh, learn a little more about the new Winery Dogs album and their process and about Xanadu um, and about how he handles uh, how, when what he does when uh, Mike Portnoy tells him to slow the song the heck down. Yeah. Um, you'll find all that and more coming up with Richie Kotzen. We'll see you guys on the other side. This is The Great Song Podcast. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are so excited to bring you an interview right now with the one and only Richie Kotzen joining the show. Richie, thank you so much for joining us today on The Great Song Podcast.
2: Wow, thanks for having me.
0: We are super hyped. We've got good vibes already we we've already been uh we we're in sync today, so uh, i'm I'm
2: expecting yeah, you, some have, good stuff. you guys have impeccable timing. I explained that earlier
0: yeah so we'll we'll uh we'll try and keep that roll and we'll try and keep the timing fresh um. Cool. All right, let's start here. Uh here's something I'm I'm interested to know. When you're obviously uh, you know, riding with winery dogs or writing for yourself uh or or just jamming with anybody, what is the feeling that you're chasing when you're writing? What is it that in a jam or a writing session that makes makes something click and you go, Yes, this is something we need to chase?
2: Well, um, I don't feel as though so- Uh, I mean, it's a matter of words. I don't feel like I'd be chasing something, but I will will put it this way. Something clicks where I feel like, Oh, wow, I'm onto something. I can, I I know where to go with this. And so that, I guess you'd define as the inspiration, which can come at any time, you know? Um, And, you know, if you're writing a song alone, a lot of times at the weirdest times, you'll, you'll be hit with something like someone will say something or, you know, I've been in restaurants and I've heard a melody out of nowhere in my head. I run outside. I sing it into my phone. Later when I get home, I record a song around it. Or I've even woken up from sleep. A lot of people have done this where you have something in your head. I've learned if you got something coming that way, wake yourself up and document it. Because if you don't, you'll never remember it when you actually wake up. Yeah. Um, but the winery dogs operate in a little bit of a different fashion and the way we do it is we get in a room the three of us and we record us improvising and throwing ideas around and this can start from anywhere by the way on this record i went in and i'm sure both of them can say the same with completely nothing i had no expectations (laughs) i offered no ideas i had zero and so we get in we start playing, and Mike might play a beat. Billy might play a bass line. I might have a guitar thing. And all of a sudden, we start throwing ideas around. Hey, Richie, that's a cool riff. What if we went through this transition? I don't know. Let's try it. And so on and so forth. All of a sudden, I'll start singing a melody over one of these sections. And then you know one of the guys, hey, that's really cool. That sounds like a great chorus idea. So we get this kind of roll happening. We record it, and then what we'll do is organize it. So you have an introduction, a verse, a chorus, maybe a middle section, and we organize it in more of a traditional song format. And then ultimately, that'll get abandoned. I'll come back to it at a later date, listen to it, and start formulating ideas for melodies, lyrics, this or that, All the things that turn it from an idea into a song where people can actually sing, um, that then starts to happen at that point. But when we get it really close, Mike will go in and record his drums. So the interesting thing here where I'm going with this long-winded answer (laughs) is once we get that arrangement, we kind of write it in stone that that's how it's going to be. And then I will work within those parameters to bring it into a, 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 sing- a singable song.
0: Yeah. That, Man. Okay. So it's like you're you're documenting the jam and then you sort of solidify it and then you kind of like, okay, now we're going to record it for real. We've got it down. Now we're going to do it for real. And then when you do that, you, you're kind of doing it individually. Is that what I'm getting?
2: No. When we did that, um, you know, Billy and, and Mike, uh, Billy and I would play along so that Mike could get the best drum performance uh-huh. that he could get. And and once he has that performance, um, Billy would do like a, a guide bass a, and a bass performance that would be well enough to be on the album, but knowing that maybe I might end up changing a line here or there. So ultimately, he would plan on redoing it at a later date once I develop you know, what I have to develop. Gotcha. And so once we get the, the, the main drums, which are locked, and then Billy's bass is there, then I take my time and I'll mess about with guitar things and this and that. I'll take my time coming up with some lyric things. And then at some point it'll all click and I'll say, Hey, I think we've got a song here. And then I'll send it to the guys. And, and then it's, you know, Oh, I love this. I really like that. Could you change this one thing? I think it could be a little better if you tried this and then we work together, but that's really the process. And that's how the record was made.
1: That's awesome. Uh, so back yeah. to a kind of another one more writing question. When you're writing for Mr. Big, I've seen you play "Electrified" a couple of different times. Once on a black strat and once on a green telly. Um, mm. Do you remember which uh, which guitar you wrote that riff on? And when do you when you're writing for Mr. Big, do you take Eric's high vocal range into consideration? Like "Electrified" in A. Are you like okay, I'm going to write this in A because I think he'll sing it here? Or are you like, well, oh, how does no. that work?
2: You know, Eric and I, I would say have the same pretty much the same vocal range. Mm-hmm. Um I think if there's any real difference in range, I tend to go into that sort of falsetto kind of prince territory with my voice that um I never heard Eric mess with that, but I think when it comes to full voice singing, you know, we're kind of similar. You know, I grew up, you know, hearing him and and respecting his voice and you know, he's always been one of my favorites. So, um when we would write together, I never took that into consideration because my thought was I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't write anything instinctively that he wouldn't be able to sing because, you know, we both listened to the same guys. I think, you know, Paul Rogers or Rod Stewart, Steve Marriott, I think he and I had a lot of the same influences. So in a weird way, we kind of approached singing similarly. So there was never any kind of you know, me thinking, oh, I should write this for him, or him thinking, oh, I want Richie to, you know, do this or that. It just kind of happened naturally. And to answer your question, I have no idea uh, what guitar guitar? I may have written that riff on. I don't know. That was so long ago. I mean, that was... Was it twenty four years ago? Man, it, it's been a minute.
1: I love that that Get Over It album. Uh, with the Mr. Back that Static song that you wrote on there with you and Billy doing the two handed tap part at the same time. When you would you bring something to him like I want this is the idea, double it, and he's like I think I can keep up, or how does that work?
2: Oh, it, it goes both ways. I mean, on that song, that was my song that I had written before I even knew I was going to be in uh, the band. So that was a situation where. I brought a song in and they, and they learned it. And it was pretty much learned as as written, but the, um, uh, with winery dogs is a a better example is where Billy oftentimes will bring in a riff that I don't think that he intended to be a song. And by way of example, the song hot streak, there's a line that the whole song is built on. Mm -hmm. And I came into my studio one day and he was warming up and he was playing that. I'm like, Hey, that's cool. I said, let's make a song out of that. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, watch. <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden I start playing it with him and then Mike comes in and I'm like, you know, I could try this, go to this chord and this and that. And we start throwing ideas around. And um, I just, when I got the track, we recorded the whole track as a jam. And then I took it home and I remember I somehow hot streak came to me and I thought about, well, you know, when I was a kid, I learned to play craps and Drove down Atlantic City from Philly and lost all my money one summer. So you know, I know. And my my grandfather was a bookie his whole life. So I'm thinking, all right, I, I know this animal. Let me write a song about this. <laughs> so um, you know, Hot Street came out of that riff that Billy was playing. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, you've got some songs where there's a lot of riffs in Omno Angel from the first album, and they were kind of I kind of wrote those into the song when I when I came up with the riff. Um, So it goes both ways with Billy and I, you know. And the the beauty of it is, um, you know, he's got so much facility on the instrument that you know, as a guitar player, if you come up with a a a wacky line and you want it to be ensemble, which kind of comes, you know, from the to me at least the fusion kind of world where they everyone will play the same line together. You know, it's great that we can do that, and uh, you know, but it it comes both ways. You know, he'll come up with something really crazy, and I have to figure out how to play it, and and vice versa. (laughs)
1: Well, dude, that first album you had me on Elevate from the first line when you belt out the Lost in the Dark. I was like, Let's go! Uh, But (laughs) but but you mentioned the Hot Streak album. I heard that on Oblivion. um, You had the chorus originally, but no verse lyric, and like it was constantly changing and so different. Is that true?
2: What I remember on that song. It was, I remember that we wrote that song at Mike Portnoy's house. And um, I don't remember why we were there. We must have been rehearsing for a tour that started on the East Coast. But I believe that we wrote that song in his basement. And I remember it was another instance where Billy had the uh, that lick that opens, that crazy pull-off yeah. lick. And again, I was like, whoa, that's really cool. And then I came up with the little repeating thing that happens afterwards. And then we just kind of wrote the song together. And then I I, di- I did the lyrics and the melodies. But I remember that song coming together quite easily. Um, I think what you're referring to was on the first record, I had written a song called Elevate. And I think the verse of Elevate was the verse that ended up being in Omno Angel. So if okay. you can imagine Omno I'm Angel being played and then going into Elevate's chorus. Ah, and I think it. Mike uh, had the idea to cut those apart. And then I came up with the verse that lived on Elevate and then later the chorus for Omno Angel. But um, that might be the story that okay. you were thinking of.
0: There we go, um, okay, I want to know, and now f- from hearing you talk about your process a little bit as far as writing and, and lyric writing and all that, I, I kind of got a feel for where this answer may head, but I'm so interested to know because uh, your guitar solos are just so interesting and so good and we've for our listeners who have been with us for several seasons now, they may remember the episode that we did on the song "Stand" that was yours uh, that that poison recorded, and obviously you've recorded on your own as well. Um, but that, that solo in, in the poison version is one of my all time, like top five favorite solos. Um, and, and I'm just curious to know when you're writing a solo, uh, you know, when you're, when you're recording a solo, particularly in the studio, what's your process on, on sort of crafting that? How much is, um, inspiration? How much is perspiration? You know what I mean? How, what's your your process? it's, it's,
2: It's all inspiration. I, I start with nothing and I. I have at it, you know. It's like get, let me, let's have a go, record this. And you know, <clears throat> I've learned that it's best for me to be left alone in the studio when I'm doing solos mm. because the, the the worst thing, and, it, and it's kind of producer instinct to to start immediately interjecting things, and that works well for certain kinds of musicians. But I usually know where I want to go, and sometimes I just might not know how to get there. But left to my own devices, you know, ultimately, I'm going to end up with something like what you said is one of your favorite solos on Stan. Um, I will tell you something that no one knows. Uh, that solo, not the one at the end, because there's a long yeah. outro where I do a lot of playing. That outro was played on my my brown telecaster. But the main solo, that's a Les Paul. Is it oh, man, really? Man. Man. N- nobody knows that because in the video, you know, I just yeah. play my telecaster. Just play the telly, the yeah. Thing. Yeah, but on the album, that solo and it's on the neck pickup, I'm playing Les Paul. We had all kinds of instruments in the studio when we made that album and I remember Richie Zito and I were messing around and I picked up the Les Paul. I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let let me try let me try a solo on this. Wow! wow. Oh, that's
1: no, fantastic. I never knew that. Yeah, we were we were definitely going to ask you about the telly because I know on Captain Love and we thought with Stand and pretty much all <laughs> the Unleashed live in Japan, you play a telly, and that seems to pretty much be your acts of choice. Uh, what do you like so much about it? I know you've got your custom tellies and strats. What what's uh, what do you like so much about the telly? Yeah, I go
2: back and forth. Now I think on the new Winery Dog album, there's more strat than telly for whatever reason. Okay, okay. and you know if you look at my history, um, when I when I joined poison was primarily telecasters then i i left poison and i i made a solo record with geffen and i was primarily playing the strats um and then i went back to the telly when i went with mr big and stanley clark and so the last solo tour i did this summer i played more of the strat than the telly so you know it's a back and forth but what i'll say about the telecaster uh, and why I gravitate towards that, because if you do percentages, I'm on the telly more than I am the Strat. Um, it's like a blank canvas. And the guitar is so responsive, has such a great dynamic range where, you know, if you play light, you get a nice sensitive sound. If you hit it hard, you get a nice percussive kind of smack to it. And so for me, the way I like to play and the way I like to control the instrument, it's the perfect vehicle. Um, And so that's kind of my go-to, but let's not be confused. I mean, the the Telecaster that I play is specific. It's my signature model that I had a hand in tweaking to my liking. So, um, you know, there's variations on Telecasters that might not do what my guitar does. So, it's you know, my sound is very connected to the instrument that I helped design, you know.
0: Absolutely. And you get, you get every bit of juice out of it too. You're playing with a pick, you're playing with your fingers. You've got this style that is just very much your own. Um, and so it's always, you know, it's always a joy to watch you play, whether it's, and you've even got, so for anybody who wants to listen, if you want to go deep, you can find, there's a three disc set called Telecasters and Stratocasters. Um, and you can go get that and you can just hear what, what you, and you can take your best guess. You'll get, you'll figure it out eventually which one's which in Richie's (laughs) hands for sure. Um, Okay. I wanted to ask you about, uh, Xanadu, which is the first single from, from the new Winery Dogs record. Uh, and, and we've had the pleasure of getting a preview, listen to the, to the full record and it's just phenomenal front to back. It's just full of it's, you know, power and force and lovely melody and all the things that we hope for in a Winery (laughs) Dogs record. Um, but I wanted to ask you about Xanadu. I kind of have my you know, maybe my own interpretation of the lyric, but I'd love to get it straight from the source in in your mind, uh, what is Xanadu about um, from your writing perspective?
2: Well, it's literally about what the word means uh, by its definition, which is an idealized place of great magnificent magnificence and and beauty. <laughs> so I mean, I know been a lot of people I sometimes read the comments and well, you know, there's already a song called that. I'm like, right. yeah, I understand that. I mean, look, Metallica won a Grammy with a song called One, and you 2 had a right. huge hit with a song called One the following year. I mean, yeah. it, it's a it's a word in the English language, and it, it has a very specific meaning. Um, and so when I was writing that song, uh, I had no idea that I was going to use that word. Um, what had happened was I, I was... Improvising a vocal pass on the song, and uh I had a rhythmic concept for the song and a bit of a melodic concept, and I was laying down the verse, and it led me into the chorus. And for whatever reasons, I sang, "Maybe I will, maybe I won't do," and and I ended the word on "do." You know, maybe, yeah. like in other words, I probably mentally was anticipating, you know, do what, do this or that, <laughs> yeah. and and, and what I what I ended up singing. Uh, I said, maybe I'm getting lost in the Xanadu. And and then I kept going, you know, maybe I love, maybe I hate you. Uh, you know, Maybe you're just too proud to be in Xanadu. And literally, like, I went on a tangent <laughs> of maybe this, maybe that. But, you know, I'm in an idyllic fantastic place mentally and spiritually which is the definition of the word xanadu and you know maybe you don't belong here with me and so that became the idea behind the song of like all right here i am in a really good place mentally physically aesthetically very happy but i've got people around me trying to pull me off trying to pull me into their muck and that's really what the song's about. It's not about living in Malibu. It has nothing to do with that. <laughs> even though at one point I did a rhyme where I said, you know, the word. Right. Um, it really has to do with something that I think people can relate to. Is you know, you ever get in a position where you feel really good about yourself, or you feel good about a situation, or even you feel good about the potential for a situation to go your way, and then you got someone or a couple folks. Around you that just don't want You to be that happy And so that's what the song Is about it's about hey I'm over Here now and I'm not I'm not going to mess with you anymore because You're going to pull me off of this Really good role That I'm about to go on and may I and add, really
1: a, may I add vocally uh, in a good spot? You yeah. did that with no warm up, <laughs> true rock star on cue, just killed it. That was awesome. <laughs> Thanks for it. Yeah, advice.
2: it's ten in the morning. I think I changed the key just because I knew I wouldn't hit all the notes. But um, you know, there you go. So, that's
1: great. So I heard you picked up guitar at age seven because of Kiss. Um, in the early day, if you saw uh, if you saw Gene, St- Gene Simmons and he calls you on stage, uh, what's your Kiss uh, song that you go to to cover with him?
2: Well, I've been on stage with Gene Simmons oh, uh, okay. years ago, and I don't remember why, but we got up and played a song, and Tommy was playing guitar, and Teddy from Guns N' Roses was on keyboards, and we were down in L.A. I think I was at the Nokia Center, and but I just don't remember why I was there. <laughs> it was some sort of thing, and Gene pulled me up, and the reason he pulled me up was because at the time... He, I owned a recording studio in Los Angeles and he was recording his solo album at my studio. And oh, so I no, would see cool. him like every other day when I'd go down there and check in on everything. And we would have a lot of conversations and joke around and we became uh, friends over the course of him making that record. And somehow um, I, I, uh, I I don't know what this event was, but they called me up and I played a song or two. I have no idea what song we (laughs) played, but I remember he was standing right next to me and we were jamming. And uh, it
0: was wonderful. Let me let me throw this at you coming back to coming back to winery dogs. And this and this could be the case with any any number of bands. I mean, this same question could be asked of you know Mr. Big or any of your other projects. But um, but obviously, like the three winery dogs guys, you are all world class. You know, legit phenoms at what you each do. Um, and you've worked very hard to get there and there could be any number of times where like one of you could take off on an idea, you know, in your collaborative process, how do you guys go about kind of editing, editing yourselves to finding the parts and, and the licks that best serve the song in the end? Uh, and like, how do you, how often do you have to, you know, I, I don't want to say check each other's egos, but how often do you have to maybe pull the reins back on somebody lovingly and be like, maybe we should go a different direction.
2: I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, you know, it's a situation where, you know, we have a certain amount of musical trust Mm. that has developed since, you know, we started working together. I think on the first record, um, we were kind of feeling out the situation and, you know, just to get things moving on the first album, I brought in some songs. I had a song called Damaged that was pretty much written. I brought it in. Cause we, I thought we needed something in that direction. I had, like I said earlier, uh, a couple courses like, uh, Elevate, you know, existed regret. But then after that, we kind of got a feel for, okay, we can use this, use that. Uh, and Mike was really good at taking some of my other ideas and piecing them together, things that I had that were incomplete. And then of course, the majority of the record was written with us jamming and improvising and, and throwing ideas around so back then we kind of stepped a little more lightly mm. and then as we got on tour we started realizing okay well you know this works that doesn't work um you know as a singer maybe on this particular song i need this part of the song to be a m- little more simplified you know we had these kind of conversations you know, where we, we really, you know, respectfully said what we needed to say, you know. And then after setting that foundation on the very first tour, everything kind of grew in a very organic, wonderful way to the point where now, and even on the second album, um, you know, if someone has an idea, Mike has an expression f- fulfill my music fantasy. And what that means is you may think this is a terrible idea. But knowing that you don't like where I want to go with this composition, at least try it. Hmm. And then, you know, we try it and it's like, okay, that was fun, but I still hate it. Okay, sorry. Well, you hate it. We won't do it. Or I'll give you an example where it went the other way. <clears throat> we have a song on the album called Lorelei, yeah. which um, is a, probably, I guess you'd say the ballad of the record. It's the slow song of the album. I uh, We cut that song at a different tempo originally the song came out of a riff that billy started playing he was doing an ascending line and it ended in this really cool high bend and i thought okay let's make a song off that and then i came in with the chord progressions i had a melody this and that and we cut it and it was fast it was like and it was a faster kind of melody right yeah and so we cut it and mike's sitting there and he says i this is a mistake So you got to slow this down and i'm like no man i'm I'm singing at the high end of my range i don't want to slow this down you're going to create trouble for me as a singer this (laughs) and that he's like please he's like try it um try try it so i go in pro tools and i slow everything down right Mm -hmm. and it slowed down he goes try and sing the melody so i sing my melody and i'm like ah I think you're right. So then we go and retrack the song at the new tempo. And that's what you're hearing on the album. Wow! So it's like, you know, you got to work together. We, we work together, but we've learned how to do it. The band made their first record in 2013. We're in, what, 2023. So, you know, you figure it out.
0: And that's great. I love that. Musical trust, I think, is a concept that so many people could learn, uh, you know, and benefit from to being, you know, being able to uh, enjoy that. But it's earned. It's, you know, definitely hearing you talk about it, it sounds like it's earned, but it's very enjoyable when you get there.
1: Yeah. yeah well we uh we want to be respectful of your time we told you to keep we'll uh we'll have to have you back on so we can talk about the chase it video uh, from the go faster album where you're on that gondola um so many <laughs> jokes i have to that i wanted to make on that but i'll refrain uh we'll talk about your cover selection on live in sao paulo with uh you know shapes view by the Yardbirds and i'm losing you by the temptations and uh, music with your wife Julia, but we'll uh, we'll save that for another day so we can be respectful of your time. But we have one question. Right on.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, we, have,
1: we have one question we ask everybody. So mm. you're on tour, um, either with Winery Dogs or solo project, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? Um, I get a th- I get a Three Musketeers bar. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and it's the most ounces. What is your uh, gas station snack food of choice? Slim Jim. Slim Jim. Slim Jim. There okay. we go. Snap into a Slim Jim. Yeah. Well done. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> well, yeah awesome. Well,
1: well, Richie, this has been fun, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man.
0: We love it. You're a yeah. rock star. Keep it up.
2: Great. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me
0: on. Absolutely. Been great. And I got to say, props to uh, your your PR folks. Uh, yeah. They have been, been I mean, they have overloaded us with useful things and, and been so helpful uh, in setting up the interview. So next time you talk to your... You know, to your folks on that end, make sure you give them our uh, regards because they've been great.
2: Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Richie. Excellent Talk to man. you soon, man. Thank See you yeah. so much. Cheers.
0: Bye. Have a good one. Bye.
2: This is the Great Song Podcast. Man, and that was Richie Cottson, That
0: was great. The winery dog himself. Do you think he has like a vanity license plate that's like W N R Y D O G? Maybe. You think so? I you think, think so. any of the three guys has you a winery dog? That's like one. Yeah. Where were they? Vanity plate? Uh, I don't know. Warner dog. Well, yeah. It would just look like wiener dog, w- right? <laughs> yeah, like wienery. What is wienery right. dog? Wiener <laughs> wiener why dog. Man, they are
1: so many group like so many things they yeah. couldn't do, they couldn't do that. They'd have cars everywhere, <laughs> <and> plates
0: galore. <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, it's true. Exactly. We should start just guessing. We should start making vanity custom plates? vanity plate for images for for every guest. Yeah, yeah what would their vanity plate be? Um, mm-hmm. You guys tell us what would Richie Cotton's vanity license plate be. Uh, and go ahead and send us one for Mike Portnori and Billy Sheehan too. We'll right. post them all. The uh vanity license plates of, of the rich and famous. Um maybe that's a maybe that is an, another question we need to start asking everybody. If you had a vanity plate, if you had yeah. seven letters and numbers to <laughs> deal with, what would it be? Um, so many of them would be swear words. That's
1: right. <laughs> like that's already taken. Yeah,
0: right. All right. Uh man, this was awesome. So great to talk to Richie and uh to get to cover the winery dogs in this uh, you know amazing musical space that they occupy so great to get to record the great song podcast with jp uh every week or uh well we get to bring it to you every week we record it about once a month you yeah. know something like that but uh anyway we're having a blast season 11 we love you guys thanks so much for listening and thanks for supporting us and uh being part of the journey here on the great song podcast and we'll be back next week next week
2: with another great song until then i'm rob i'm jp go listen to some music